a reading from the book of Daniel. In the first year of Beelzebub, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. The word of the Lord. reading from the letter to the Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 6, starting with verse 20. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. What a great day for us to be here at Sacrament. Thank you for allowing us to celebrate the Sacrament of Confirmation with you. It is truly an honor. I just want to say quickly, we, um, we keep up with Sacrament through Father Preston, of course, the, the different emails. That go out. So how was, um, how was Trunk or Treat? Did it go well? We were hoping it would go well. We have four grandkids now, so we know how important Halloween really is. Once again, it, it had been a while. So we had two ballerinas, and uh, what's the new Mario character that's the big super, super guy? Well, see, you're supposed to know your Mario characters, people, all right? We had one of those, and then Ava was a donut. So <laughs> she, um, she fit it to a T, and not a lot of, uh, you know, facial makeup for it, but she made it and survived out there for an hour. So that was kind of fun. In our readings today... Daniel tells us of the coming of the kingdom of God that we will receive and possess. St. Paul writes of his desire that we would know of this incomparably great power for us who believe, the power that raised Christ from the dead. Lastly, we heard Jesus expresses an empowered way of living and entirely different way of living this life from our rather empty desires oftentimes that we have for wealth, pleasure, power, and honor that's only found in the world. Jesus for us points to a much deeper way of life. Confirmation. Confirmation, according to the Book of Common Prayer, is the right in which we express 
a mature commitment to Christ and receive strength from the Holy Spirit through prayer and the laying on of hands by a bishop. But today, we as a, a sacramental and liturgical people, we're also living our lives that are enriched by the liturgical calendar. And so when a saint's day or a, a, a certain day, a holiday or holy day falls in the middle of the week that oftentimes we don't get to observe, to come together, to worship together. It's moved to the next Sunday. And so on the calendar today, we truly want to remember and celebrate All Saints Day. Now, I don't know how many of you entered into All Saints Day in a special way and truly celebrated it, but I know for us, we certainly have saints that are special to us. Saints throughout history, like St. Francis of Assisi, anybody? No? Yes. Okay, you got to raise your hand if you, all right, yeah. I want participation. St. Francis, St. Augustine, many good saints that go way back. These are the saints that we recall that have gone before us. They serve to inspire us in our committed Christian living. They are those individuals, faithful men and women, who've paved the way for us that the book of Hebrews refers to as the great cloud of witnesses who cheer us on with their example and prayers to that same victory in life, the life of faith that they've obtained. I think it's important in celebrating this special day to remember, of course, those saints that we hold in our hearts, those that may have been from way back in time, but also those saints that have impacted our lives, those individuals who have deeply impacted, they've been teaching us the faith maybe as we grew up, but they also emulated it. Maybe they showed us how to, how to have a, a, a faithful life of prayer and Christian living even when it was difficult. That may be a mom and dad that has passed on, an aunt or an uncle or grandparents. I know my grandparents had a room off of their bedroom of a two-story huge home, which was a chapel. I grew up thinking nothing of it, that it was just a regular part of your home, that to have kneelers, because they had such a large family, that how, how important that was. And so people have impacted sometimes even our memories that go way back in life. I hope that's the case with you. But like any other special moment, I think that when we say we're celebrating a day, like All Saints, it's not only important for us to certainly acknowledge it as we gather together, but also to enter into it by giving thanks to God and to praising him. So I, I would like to do this if we could. Could we stop right in the middle of the homily and just take a moment to give God thanks for those people who are special to you that have gone on to be with the Lord, that might have deeply impacted your life and hopefully pointed the way or paved the way in a special way. Would that be all right? Amen. Let's take a moment. Father, we thank you for these individuals. They touched us, helped us, they guided us, they blessed us, they aided us in our own spiritual Christian journey. And so, Father, we bless your holy name, O oh God, for all your servants who, having finished their course, now rest from their labors. Give us grace as we've gathered here today to follow the example of their steadfastness and faithfulness. To your honor and glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
I think it's a, a wonderful day that these two themes are merged for us because as Christians, we desperately need the examples of the saints who have gone on before us as we, like them, are determined and as we choose in confirmation with all our might to commit to Christian living, to living the way Hebrews says, and to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. The sacrament of confirmation is rooted in Holy Scripture and in the ancient practice of the church. It's been said of the sacraments that they bring healing to our wounds. They bring healing to our wounds. The sacrament of baptism heals our wounds of rejection. The sacrament of Holy Communion heals our wounds of abandonment. And the sacrament of confirmation heals our wounds of powerlessness. May I especially remind those of you that are receiving the sacrament of confirmation that in your conversion and in baptism, you have received the Holy Spirit and been made a member of Christ's mystical body, the church. You see, the sacrament of baptism heals our wounds of rejection by the washing away of our sin that separates us from God, making us a part of God's family. Where now in his divine love, we live daily in union with the triune God. And in Christian community, we can discover where our life, where our gifts and callings can now be put to use. In this way, we can experience new meaning, great purpose, and experience joy. And so what happens is that our wounds of rejection begin to be healed. As we come each and every Sunday to the table of the Lord... Our wounds of abandonment are touched deeply as we participate in this sacred mystery. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus promised to be with us always. And in this meal, we experience his presence with us, his touch of divine love, his strength for the journey that's ahead of us, our eyes, like those of the disciples, being opened to his glorious mercy and, of course, a supernatural healing of all our wounds. We are not left alone. We are not abandoned. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and his ongoing presence is with us. His divine love heals our wounds of abandonment. In confirmation, we are filled, we are sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit. After a time of preparation, truly understanding the faith of the church, we come before the church, making our own informed and personal decision. We make our own continued commitment to Christ, to serving him, and to ongoing service in his church. And we pray for an increase of the gifts of the Spirit in our own life in order to build up the church and to meet the needs of the world that we find all around us each and every day. And so through this confirmation, through this act, we are empowered. We find we're no longer powerless. The sacrament of confirmation, I believe, is truly remarkable. You see, due to the fall of mankind, all of us are truly vulnerable to the misuse of power. 
as we've uh, probably most likely heard that saying before, that power tends to corrupt, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so in this fallen world, we have good reason, I think, sometimes to fear the misuse of power because it's so often used to dominate or to control, to manipulate, to abuse, and to rebel against legitimate authority. Who among us probably today hasn't felt overpowered or controlled or belittled or tried to be manipulated in some form or fashion at some point in time? Perhaps maybe it's the opposite extreme, feeling unprotected or even let down by someone that's failing to act in a particular way, not exercising their proper authority or God-given authority being on the receiving end of someone's misguided or abuse of power can leave any of us profoundly traumatized, feeling powerless. The wound of powerlessness is as ancient as sin itself. Before sin disrupted our unspoiled existence, Adam and Eve had the power to live as God commanded them. They humbly received and, and, and respected God's ultimate power and lived in holy submission to him. They knew firsthand what all of us now must continually discover, that strength belongs to God. They had no fear of being dominated or abused by him or one another, at least until the deceiver planted seeds of doubts in their minds. With Adam and Eve's rebellion, the misuse of power, which is sin, and powerlessness, the wound, reared their ugly heads. Choosing to surrender their God-given power and authority to the powerless one, the enemy of our soul, Adam and Eve also then disconnected from the power of the Holy Spirit that they knew. They ended up debilitating themselves and the rest of the human race with the same wound of powerlessness, which is experienced by all. But Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ gave witness to God's holy power while willingly experiencing the powerlessness of having his body nailed to the cross. He made it possible for us to become victors once again. And rising from the dead, he fully reveals God's mighty power and restored God's dominion. And before ascending into heaven, he promised his disciples a share in his resurrection power, telling them you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. The disciples who had been full of fear and a sense of powerlessness were transformed from wounded men and women to powerhouses of grace transforming the world. Peter spoke boldly that this gift of God's power was available to all people. Repent, he said, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so today, in confirmation, we pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And as we do, each of you will be anointed with oil. We do this because we see first in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was given to God's chosen servants. His priests, his prophets and kings were anointed with the Holy Spirit in the ceremony of anointing, where blessed oil was poured over their heads and the Holy Spirit came upon them and remained with them. 
Now, one of the things that Bishop Michael did not mention as he went through the service with you, and he showed you this oil that you all could smell and the, the wonderful fragrance that it has, is that while many people anoint, we thought today we would pour oil all over you. <laughs> Let it run down your beard, but that doesn't work for a lot of girls. So, <laughs> Jesus and his disciples use blessed oil to anoint during their ministry as well. The anointing of oil is beautiful. It is an outward symbol of a profound spiritual grace. It's a symbol of that inward anointing with the Holy Spirit. But I have to remind you today, anointing is not simply an act. Anointing can also be said to be a state or a mode of being and behaving. It's actually a style of living. So now you can go to the mall and tell everybody, I'm anointed. Today, as we celebrate confirmation, we don't look at that as just an event. Oh, that's something that happened to them one day. It's not just an event, but we need to see that more as a mode of being or a style of living. As his priests, prophets, and kings were anointed with the Holy Spirit, you and I, we share in Christ's priestly mission by giving ourselves daily in union with Christ's supreme sacrifice on the cross. What does that mean for us? As prophets, we are still called to announce the kingdom of God in both word and deed and be witnesses to the gospel. We live the gospel in our home, among our family, in our church and community, first and foremost, before we can take it to the workplace. Practice living the gospel, dying to self in the home where it's private, where we have room to fail where we can practice and become strong. We also share in the kingly mission by seeking God's kingdom of justice, yes, in the world. And we do this when we overcome the kingdom of sin in ourselves first. And as we give of ourselves, as we recognize Jesus in the least of these. In confirmation, we're united with Jesus to share in his identity and to carry out his mission, to carry out his will. We are empowered to bring glad tidings to the lowly, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, to release prisoners, and to comfort all who mourn. This is how we are called to live the grace of confirmation in our lives. So today, in this sacrament, Bishop Michael will pray for you and anoint you with oil. And as you rise, I'm going to be placing one of these stoles over your shoulders, which actually resembles the uh, stole of the deacon or priest. The stole signifies for us the office to which you are called. And confirmation is not only an anointing, but it's also a commissioning, your new commissioning to live out your faith in the world of fresh and new. Jesus gives us his own power to overcome our powerlessness, and it's a beautiful thing. He gives us his power to overcome our fears, and I pray today that fear is no longer something that controls, but that you're released from fear and realize that we're no longer powerless as long as we yield each and every day to the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We're no longer powerless as long as we ask the Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Fill me afresh and new today. Fill me with your presence. Lead us and guide us. 
The Holy Spirit will come. How many of you often do that in, in the morning prayers or at some point in the day? Come and fill me afresh and new. I know I do. I literally take in a breath, feeling, sensing, imagining, welcoming the Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh and new for this day in the task before me. When we ask the Holy Spirit to come, he will. He wants to be invited. He wants to be welcomed. He will come. And I find that his fiery presence also wants to come and burn away those things that are not like Jesus in our lives, in my life, so that we may become more like him in the world. His fiery presence. That's hard for us to imagine. His fiery presence, if we think about that, and we think about how much God loves us and what is not like Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to come and to burn away, to melt away, to make our hearts more and more like Jesus. We say at baptism as we hand the newly baptized a candle, maybe you've seen this before, be the light of Christ in a dark world. I love that. I love it as, as an infant is handed a candle or to the parent, you be the light of Christ in a dark world. As you grow and mature, serving Christ in this way, being the light of Christ. I love the analogy because St. Thomas Aquinas says this about being the light of Christ in the dark world. He says, better to illuminate than merely to shine. It's our job that we are to illumine, to be the light of Christ to the world. Before I close, I want to share with you, as far as the, at the idea of illumination, many years ago in the third or fourth century, among the desert fathers and mothers, there's a story of a man named Abbot Lot. And he comes to the abode of Abba Joseph. And he sat facing the fire as Abba Lot made his way inside his little place. Abelot began to complain, and he was telling the father, he said, Father, according as I am able, I keep my little rule of prayer. I have my structure to daily life. I keep my fast. I do say my prayers with all my heart, the meditation I observe, as well as contemplative silence. And according as I am able, I strive to cleanse my heart of thoughts. Now, tell me. What more should I do? And the elder Abba Joseph, he rose up and turns from the fire, and he stretched out his hands to him, and his fingers became like ten lamps of fire. And he looked at him and he said, Why not become totally fire? Why not become totally fire? Better to illuminate than merely to shine. Now, I've go, I know I've gone on long this morning, but we just want to say how happy we are to be here with all of you and our confirmands as you're celebrating confirmation. Our hearts would be that your heart would be set on fire in a new way with the love of God that he has for you and that your heart full of love would be open more and more as each day passes to follow Jesus each day of your life, no matter what, in the small things as well as those larger things of life, that you would be willing 
to become all that God wants you to become in the days ahead. Thank you so much for having us. For all of us, why not become totally fire?